Welcome, subscribers, to episode seven of That Reminds Me Of, the podcast about films and the films they remind us of. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. This episode's a bit different, isn't it, Baron? It is. We are finally getting to our first homework episode, something we just came up with last week. Uh, And this is where we go through some of those films that we've brought up along the way that we were reminded of. And uh, we actually do the thing where we, at the end of each episode, we've told each other seven times how much we're going to go back and watch all those films that we loved the sound of. We're actually going to do it. I'm going to take three and you're going to take three. I think this was your idea, but I'm pumped. I had such a long list. And I've only chosen three. I could have chosen 12. I'm ready to go. So let's get into it. Awesome. I love it. All right. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe we don't need the music after all. We We should just always do that. Make up an impromptu theme song. So, Doc, tell me. I don't even know how we start this. This is the first one for us of these things. So normally we kick straight into talking about the film and what we've been up to for the last couple of weeks. What do you think? How does this one work? What have you been up to? Uh, Well, we're back in lockdown in COVID-19 part two in the the Melbourne story. That's the title for it. That's the working title. And uh, (laughs) we're- The Melbourne story. Yeah, the Melbourne story. A story that should have been told long ago. (laughs) That's right. So we're all locked down again and we've got homeschooling again, which is one of my worst nightmares. What do you reckon? What have you been up to? Well, I love the lockdown. It's uh, I don't have kids, so I'm really just taking advantage of the mental space <laughs> and oh, dude, I'm enjoying so every minute. I don't want to get crook, but other than that, it's, it's all a, good. It's good fun. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm Sorry. So jealous. I love that. That sounds great. I apologize. No, are you are you watching extra movies, extra TV, reading more books? What's happening? No, not really. I'm working too much, but okay. That's not not really getting in the way because you get those couple of hours extra in the day where you don't have to you just roll out of bed and yeah, get onto the computer when you would otherwise be tarting yourself up and getting in on, on the train. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's uh, true. So there's none of that. And then those were the days. Yeah, when when you knock off there's just some time for mental space. Good. But no, no extra reading or anything, really. No. Um, some extra film watching just because of this damn podcast. <laughs> I know, right? And we've watched a few in the last week in, in prep for this, knowing that uh, we had to get our homework in order. Well, I've done my homework in the last 24 hours, I reckon. Oh, wow. Good job. Crabbing. I've done uh, a similar story, I think, in the last three days. Jeez, it was fun. Oh, I think we just get into it. Let's make it. Short and sharp, and yeah, sounds good. And um, you know, emotionally, uh, an emotional roller coaster. <laughs> <laughs> I loved it, man. Watching back these films, uh, or watching for the first time these films, was a real pleasure. And also, three films that I've heard so much about from yourself and from others over the years. Not all of them, but uh, one of them in, in particular. To have the chance to just go and dig deep into these films that I've been hearing mm. about is, was really fun. And also not to be just constantly looking to the new release list. This is, you get to dig back a bit. It's cool. Yeah, I think I found this more fun. Like it's it was really fun. Awesome. Because sometimes when you there's new releases out there, sometimes you think you've got to watch it. In this case, they've just been banking up. Like I'm dying to watch this. I must watch it. And you never have the time. Yeah. But when you've got to do a podcast about it, you make the time and just <laughs> enjoy it, enjoy the ride. Absolutely. It's good, isn't it? So here we are. We've we, we've done our homework. That's exciting. I got to admit that my homework was a little easier in some spots. But not giving away too much. But I, I was worried that we would both come in having watched like one film, and and that was it. Okay, I I think I've got a pretty good idea <laughs> of what you're going to have watched. I reckon I've got two out of three. Oh wow. Okay. Good. And I've got a favorite for the third. Okay. I would love it and if you know them all. That's cool. I've categorically got one. Right. I know one of yours, absolutely. Okay. Another one, I think you may have given a clue just then, so I think I might have that. <laughs> and the third is just my hunch. Okay. I love it. Do you have any idea which ones I would have chosen? Zero. From? Zero ideas. I have no idea. I would love to have an idea. <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm excited. Let's get into it. Yes. Who, who starts? Well, uh, I reckon, I reckon, well, how about I give you my first because you, you, you're making guesses here. So Yeah, I'm the one who's hanging on the answer. Okay. The first homework piece that I chose was Rope by Alfred Hitchcock. Rope. I didn't pick it. Ha, huh, there you go. <laughs> there but you it's go. a damn good choice. Uh, I, I was torn. There was there was a few options. One torn, of, torn Curtain's a different movie. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. There were a few options. And so Rope was one of them. The other one. Don't say the others because you're. Oh, you're right. I can't. You're right. Anyway, yeah. I just got to say I had trouble finding some of these. That, but anyway. That'll do. Okay, good. Rope is an awesome film and I'm. it's such a cool reference I'm really glad you brought it up. And you know the way I was talking about how, how I thought, where I thought some of those single shot techniques mm. had come from? Well, there's Hitchcock doing a pretty, it's, it's an okay job of it, but he's <laughs> you can see the ideas there, the sort of panning over to a black space and then starting a new shot from the same space. The concept was there. So there you go, Hitchcock's a master on all sorts of levels. Not dissimilar to how they did it a lot of the transitions in 1917 yeah yeah it's just technology Mm. and also you get the feeling that this is new like Hitchcock's doing something that's going to be a big talking piece for this film it's cool Um, and since then they've they've mastered it what'd you particularly like about it it was very theater like you could imagine that if you lost all the trickery with the camera this would just be a single set and that's Mm. the whole thing just plays out there and I don't know if it is has come from the theater before Hitchcock made the film do you know I believe it probably has. Uh, mm. If not, it certainly would have gone there afterwards. Yeah. Like well, it's it's just, that's it's, all it is. It's a is, play, it? right? Yeah. It's a play. I just loved how well he used the space. I thought it was great. Yeah. And there were some, some really, you know, great tense moments where he used where the camera was placed in mm. just the right way. There's this wonderful scene right towards the end where the uh, house cleaner or the maid is cleaning yeah. away the table that's on top of that chest where the body is. She's doing this while a conversation's happening and you're just watching in horror as nobody's noticing off camera while they're having this riveting conversation that she's about to reveal that there's a body inside the cabinet. I loved it. They play it long, don't they? Oh, so long. Or doesn't he? He he does. It was great. It just goes on and on. You're just getting more and more anxious Every, every moment. We're talking about bodies and chests. I should probably say a little bit about what this film is, even though you've introduced it before. Essentially, the short of it is that set in, in a single location where these two guys have just, at the very beginning of the film, they've committed a murder and they strangle somebody with a rope because they want to see what it feels like to murder someone, I guess. It's like a fantasy of theirs that they've been talking about. They put the body in the trunk in the middle of the room, and then one of the guys who's like the real sicko of the two has this great idea that he will set his dinner party, which he's arranged for the night, and actually invited the dead person's father, the dead man's father, to the party uh, and his fiance <laughs> and all of his friends basically, um, that they're going to set that table with the, that chest as a dining table almost and they're all going to have a meal around it. And it, there's a lot of single-shot sequences, which is one of the reasons you brought it up for mm. as a... 1917 reference. Anyway, beautifully done. Uh, I don't know if you could make that film today. I don't know if audiences would go for it. Well, funny you say that. Yeah. Because within the last month, I watched season three of The Sinner. Have you seen The Sinner? No, I haven't. I've seen I, I, I've love seen it. like random episodes because Edith's watching it often. Uh, it's one of my favourite series with uh, Bill Pullman. I, I'd not thought much about him previously, but he is just stellar in this series and it's we're up to season three and each season has had had its own little story but the season three one i won't give too much away if you haven't seen it yet but it's playing on the same uh ubermensch they call it which is from nietzsche yeah the the concept of the superman which is what was driving the stupid idea to have to kill someone and have yes that's right you know because they should be able to kill people yes because they're 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 supermen yeah and that same concept comes up in the in the Sinner season three. Ah, really? And it really felt like they've started with rope and then just built a, a new story around that, really? that starting point. Well, that's great. I mean, that type of storytelling and that sort of theme uh, still works perfectly today. I just don't know if you get away with the single set 
situation oh, okay. today. I don't know. I think I think the concept, the heart of it's wonderful. Uh, I just think you would have to you'd have to change the structure of it. It'd have to have more action, more it'd have to move a little faster today. I just don't know if uh, audiences would go for it if 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 it didn't. Yeah, I, I don't, don't know. know about that. Like I would. Yeah, it's interesting. It's funny how some things, and you know that they're good, right? You're watching the film from the past, like say something more than 30 years old, and mm. you know it's a good film. You're enjoying every minute of it, and yet often I'm sitting there going, that wouldn't work today. You just wouldn't get away with that. Mm. It's just like audiences expect something different now, and you can appreciate it but then also go, well, I don't know if I can use that for myself. I hear you. Okay, it's my turn. Your turn. Oh, by the way, is it weird to have remind me ofs of remind me ofs? Well, no, we're just going to get all Inception on ourselves. Okay. Which reminds me of Inception. (laughs) It does. (laughs) Because I was just going to drop a couple for for, for rope. Is that something we should do? I think that sounds absolutely fantastic. And I'm (laughs) ashamed of myself that I tried to shuffle you along. No, no, that's all right. I kind of lost track and didn't just move right onto it like I should have. Um, Well, I've already given one. Which yes, is crazy. So we've already started. We've already started. It's already happening. We can't move away from this format. It's embedded. Uh, <laughs> so obvious ones: Telltale Heart, Edgar Allan Poe. I don't know Telltale Heart. You don't know Telltale Edgar Heart. I just expect. No. I was. I was expecting you to go. Ah, oh, yes. From the literature man. <laughs> from the literature no. man. Uh, <laughs> well, it's one of those like classic little short stories that is memorable because it's done so, so well. Uh, the basic idea is uh, a guy has buried a body under the floor and ah. he thinks he's going to get away with it, but then he starts hearing the heart beating and <laughs> the more time goes by, the more he starts to believe that other people can hear the heart beating as well until That's he amazing. ends up giving himself up because uh, he can't handle it. Yeah. It's, 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 and is it just his conscience? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. And it just really reminded me of, um, I'm just blanking on the guy's name, he's the, the, the quieter of the two killers that basically follows the mm. first guy everywhere. Uh, he has the full telltale heart thing going on big time. Yeah, there's that guilt stuff like a Lady Macbeth. Yes, thing. totally. Mm. Uh, and the other one uh, was Roald Dahl's uh, short story about the lamb leg. It's called Lamb to Slaughter. Have you read that one? No, I've, I've read precious little of Roald Dahl other than the stuff that we would have talked about. <laughs> You've used Roald Dahl before. You're right. This would be my second time. Yeah. Anyway, he, he has this um, this little short story in his book of adult short stories, which are really mm. awesome, um, about a woman who kills her husband with a frozen leg of lamb. <laughs> and then when the cops come to talk to her about this and they're trying to find the murder weapon, and yep. they're sort of describing what this murder weapon must look like and what kind of instrument it must have been. She's Amazing. she's serving them roasted lamb leg, which is the, the murder weapon. <laughs> that is absolutely perfect yeah. for rope. Yeah. Yeah, it's great, huh? Loved it. Great reference. Yeah, I heard something similar. It's not really similar, but on Dan Carlin's Hardcore History, one of the characters in Kings of Kings series fed up his son or some relative on, right. a, on a plate. The mastermind behind it let them all enjoy the meal first, I think. <laughs> yes. It's probably Love been it. done a million times. Love it. Classic awful moves that have happened in history Yeah, that we can reference whenever we like because they're real. That's creepy. I like yeah. that. I like reminds me of, of reminds me of. Hey, why not while we're here? Just going to make more homework for ourselves, but hey. Yeah, no, it's never going to stop. <laughs> That's right. Well, there, I've got two already, so let's see how we go the rest of the episode. Love it. All right, okay, over to you. I've taken too long. Your turn. Okay, my first one is one that didn't feel like you rated it very highly at the time. It was one of your anti-references, ah. which I feel like you've had, had a handful of anti-references, actually. Yeah. <laughs> so this is... Us by Jordan Peele. Awesome. Which you, uh, it was your, your reminds me for Parasite because I think a lot of people have linked them. Uh, yes. And you said that, you know, you thought that was a bit daft because they're <laughs> completely different films. <laughs> don't have much to do with each other as well. But I quite liked it. I don't know. I, I don't recall if, if you got into whether you liked it or not in its own right. Did yeah, you? Yeah, I did a little bit. Um, I think I think I was colder on it than Get Out, which is my, what you might be picking up. 
I loved Get Out. I mm. thought this was not as good a film, but still yeah. a cool concept. Yeah, and I haven't seen seen Get Out. the The concept is is great. In the first half of it, I found it quite scary. Well, first first of all, you got the the setup like in any any horror film, and then when the the shadow family, the tethered or whatever they're called, yes, turn up outside the house, that was scary. That was genuinely then, scary. It was genuinely scary, and yep. when they they then start all entering the house from different sides, that was a masterful, yeah, bit of um sort of thriller. It's one of the things uh, he's great at, right? Is just getting those genre beats down. He knows them through and through. You can tell. Yep. It's like he's a student of it. So I love the suspense. Then when you finish that whole act one, let's call it, when they 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 get out of the the situation of where of their house, pretty much escape. And you're thinking, what's what's coming next? You know, wh- where do they go? They seem like they're safe. And then when we take it to their their neighbor's house, yeah, it marked a point in a normal horror film where I'd probably start getting a bit sick of it. <laughs> I think, okay, they're going to wrap it up now. It's just going to be a continuation of the same riff. But I felt the tone took a took a new turn, and all of a sudden it became like Evil Dead comedy. Mm, you're right. Yes, and it does. Whether you like it or not, it gave me like a, a new life for the film. It got my interest again. You know what? That's really a great point because that is a that is a, a super clever move. For one, you're doubling mm. the amount of sort of action, I guess horror action that you're mm. going to get, but you're actually allowed to kill the characters because they're the characters that none of us really like. Like they've set yes. them up as the people you don't like very much. And so then when their murder murdering happens, <laughs> you're not as devastated about it. You're not as nervous. In a sick way, you can just enjoy the murder. <laughs> you know what I mean? Isn't enjoy the weird? action. Yeah. Crazy. And at the same time on the psychological level of the film, because I think he's a he's a thinker, mm. so I, that would exist too, you've got the fact that, you know, they have been the victims and all of a sudden the tables are turned and they're doing exactly what the previous shadow tethered family have done to them. They're going in there and they're just killing everybody. Yes. Uh, and yet you're, you're with them. Right. Uh, and clever. Yeah, really, really clever. And the, the use of the diegetic music, do you call it, you know, like when the music is part of the scene? Yeah. Uh, that yeah. was done just really well using Beach Boys and then when Elizabeth Moss says, call the police, and then Siri mis- mistakes it and they start <laughs> playing NWA. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. It's beautiful. Yeah. And that's all within the within the film rather than, you know, um, soundtrack. It's a great point. Uh, you could, you I, are reminding me of the best parts of that film. Absolutely. There's a lot that's in there to love. There's there's stuff that's crappy too, like the explaining the joke moment at some stage two-thirds of the way through when he has to explain the whole backstory of what this world really is and the fact that they you've got the tethered ones down there and yeah, that's tiresome. Yes, I to, agree. To me and... Kind of unnecessary as well. We didn't need yeah, to know all yeah. that. Yeah, Particularly annoyingly done, not giving the audience any credit yeah. at all really. But then again, we had to know, I suppose, like it's a... Hollywood film. Yes. Yeah, there is that. I love that. Um, that is a great hmm. that is a great reference uh, to to jump into. And were there any remind me of for that now that we're doing this thing? <laughs> uh, well not that you have it reminded to reminded me that the Peter Nyongo Nyongo? Yes. Uh, yep. Nyongo, I think. Is one of the more intoxicating actors in in Hollywood. Like she really is. She's just got the best face. What is that? She's got an amazing face. There's something, it's so photogenic. It's crazy. And there's something and about her you just, you want to keep watching her face. Definitely. Just to just see every little movement. Watchable. Yeah. Just to see what happens when each thing, other thing happens around her. Just to see the reaction. You just want to keep watching. She's got one of those faces. Yeah. And and if you if you take it beyond aesthetics, <laughs> she she really gives a powerful performance. Like she's she has to drive this this narrative with the two characters Mm. And the the shadow self is unrecognizable, really. Yeah, like she's a she's just loco. Absolutely. I really loved the scene where they start fighting. Where the two of that? them towards the end of the film, where yeah, yeah, the, the two that sort of dance fighting scene almost. It's crazy. Again, great great use of music as well. Yeah, that's really and that music is, a, is 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 a real standout for the film. You know, that's that's the the song, mm. the music that comes into my mind whenever I think of it straight away. Yeah, that was really strong. And did you see the final twist coming? 
No, not at the time. Took me by surprise. Did you? No. I, I feel even though we have spoilers, I don't actually want to say yeah, okay. the twist. Yeah. No, it's worth it. Because it's not saying. even explicit, is it? It's no. just put out there. It's great. Really well done. You could think it's obvious to make that choice, but that's only once it's happened to you, you know? Like, I don't think you're going that way when, when you're watching the film. At least I wasn't. No, I, I, I was, was going that me. way in terms of what I'd said before, that I felt like the real family were becoming more like the tethered. Yeah. You know, so I, I saw an evolution there, but I didn't see the actual end bit coming. Great film. You reminded me of how good it is. I think I was a little harsh on it in that in that episode. But you are reminding me that there is a lot there that, that is to love. Lots. In fairness, it was in relation to Parasite, and Parasite's just a ripper. That's true. I think you said this one was more perhaps conventional. Yeah, I think what turned me off was the comparison of the two, mm. really. It didn't feel right at all. I liked it. Good. So I guess back to me. Back to you, Barrett. All right. Well, like um, you were talking about how wonderful Lupita's face is on camera, <laughs> uh, I am going to talk about Willem Dafoe's face on camera and how much yes, I can okay. just eat that up every single second of it. Uh, yeah. I saw Antichrist as my as my next bit of homework. Yeah, well, that's the one that I knew you would have said. <laughs> I couldn't just walk away from that one. Tell me about how you set yourself up to watch Antichrist. What time of the day was it? Well, it wasn't the night before your awful night's sleep, was it? <laughs> no, no. Um, I did have a bad night's sleep last week, but this was not it. This was not okay. it. I actually just saw Antichrist. Tonight? Tonight. And I'm still reeling from it a little bit. Gee whiz. It's taken me the last half an hour to just sit, get my head a little straight, <laughs> you know, in, yeah. in, in prep for catching up. It's messed up, man. That is the most messed up film I think I've seen. Okay. I think it uh, is. Do you want to start anywhere? Like was there anything you liked? I liked almost everything about it. I thought it was mm. brilliant. The ending, I actually wondered, like, if the film didn't get as graphic and full-on as it did right at mm. the end, if I would like the film as much. I don't know because it really was hard to watch, really hard to watch. Yeah. I feel partly that it's it was it's necessary for the film to go where it did, even yeah, though I'm I torn agree. by it. And just as a quick... Quick overview, quick reminder of what the film is. It's Willem Dafoe and his wife. I'm just blanking on the wife's name, the, the actor. Um, Do you remember? Gainsborough. Yes. They have gone to the country to face the fears of the wife after they've lost a child and she's sort of sunken into this deep depression. Mm. And uh, she sort of, some reason, you don't know why at first, told him that her fear after her child's death is this cabin in the woods, hmm. which seems like a leap and seems odd. But then they go there and before you know it, the, you realise there's all sorts of devil worship sort of stuff <laughs> going on uh, and, and there's a lot of sexual tension that has to turn into violence between these two. It's kind of like a reverse shining in a, in a way. Suddenly um, <laughs> Willem Dafoe's fighting for his life because his wife has turned on him. Yeah, it's true. I think The Shining was one of your references that yes. week. Yes, yes. And Antichrist was one of mine. Yeah, and also Antichrist is the perfect reference for 19... Not for 1917. <laughs> um, for, for the the lighthouse, which is what you yes. put it in for. It's the perfect reference for lighthouse. Forget that Willem Dafoe's in both films. It's still the perfect reference Although that on so many levels. I know. Yeah, you're right. It definitely helps. But even because as I was watching it, I, I had that in mind and I was like, this film with or without Willem Dafoe is a perfect reference yeah. for The Lighthouse. It's great. Once they end up in that cabin, yeah? Yes, absolutely. And also that the whole setting starts to turn on them and it's really Willem Dafoe's character who's lost and mm. is the one who's in the most trouble when everything starts to turn. You really was... had the sense of nature beating down on them, didn't you, in exactly the same way? Yes, absolutely, and that, that there was magic involved and that yes. there was nothing that Willem Dafoe could do at this point. Like, he was doomed, you could tell. Willem Dafoe, and what a face. <laughs> what a face, and what beautiful <laughs> photography of that face. I mean, the slow, yeah. the slow motion, beautiful slow motion sequences in this yeah. film are to die for there's so they're done so well i've seen the same thing in melancholia and this film yes, really reminded true. me of that you know has that same type of photography in there to great effect fresh off watching it what did you think of charlotte isn't it charlotte gainsborough yes that's right yeah 
her character, was she evil? Like, did she knowingly let the child jump out the window or was that her guilt speaking to her? I I found that a little hard to decipher. I I could go both ways on it. Yeah, I took it as she'd gone up to write this book that was all about gynocide. Is that how you pronounce Mm. it? And in there, there seems to be a whole bunch of sort of information on, I guess, devil worship and witches and so on. Uh, which would have been would be would be part of the the history, right? Of all the yep. killing of women and girls over the many many years. And then I'm guessing while she was in all that study, somehow she invited the devil into that little neck of the woods, and uh, she'd made a deal of some sort. There okay, was some, so you're taking it literally. This I is- I really did take it literally. Yeah, I was umming and eyeing a lot, but towards the end, it, it starts to take that turn. The film. So I just kind of went with it. Sorry, well, there's been a bit of background noise just because Jessie can't work out if she wants to be in or out. <laughs> it's a bit of a problem. <laughs> okay, so you just took it as a good versus evil, uh, devil's been a Faustian bargain. I did. I took it that way, yeah, and, and you, you don't have to. I can see that you could go any number of ways with it. There's that one giveaway scene, like the reveal in a way, where they replay the lovemaking scene. Yeah. And this time she sees the child go out the window. Yep. And I initially just thought, oh, wow, okay, she's evil. But then as I thought about it a little, I changed my changed my mind and I thought, no, she that's just her guilty mm. conscience. Yeah. Um, I like that. I like that you can go either way. It, the only thing that stops me from going either way and probably makes your reading of it a bit more likely is the whole thing with putting the shoes on the wrong way. Mm. Like that seemed pretty grounded in reality. Yeah, yeah. Yes, that's That's hard for me just to forget about. Man, just all of that stuff aside, like (laughs) if you haven't seen the film, I don't know if if you can suggest it to someone. It feels wrong to suggest somebody to watch the film on some levels because part of it's so disturbing and you don't know what their tastes are like. Like they might be really offended or turned off by it in some way but like the flip side of this film is that it's like the most graphic it's got some of the most graphic scenes in it that you can get outside of some sort of torture porn flick you know like it's Mm. it's really close to the edge uh and very uncomfortable to watch but the more i think about it the more i think that is required for this film it had to go there for it all to be meaningful and pay off as hard as it is to watch. I agree. I think that's why we liked it. Why we liked it, yeah. Uh, Even though it's beyond doubt that Lars von Trier is just a lunatic. (laughs) I think Uh, so. (laughs) Totally. (laughs) I'm not sure what sort of a guy he'd be up close and personal. I really don't know. But you want to feel something, don't you, when you're watching movies? and It does that for sure. It does that. (laughs) You know, and it... It does that thing. You know the way I always talk about sort of giving you a sense of what film it is you, you're going to watch um, mm. in the first kind of 10 minutes? Well, it's got like a slow motion dick shot like right in the first 10 minutes. I know. <laughs> you know? And <laughs> so you're like, okay, I'm watching that kind of film, huh? Wow. And I was just thinking like when was the last time that I saw in one of the – in just a regular film, yeah. right, a close-up on a dick that's hard? It actually made me think back, and this is this is a reminds me of just for yeah. this moment, right, the only time I can think of it is in um, Jane Campion's film, In the Cut. I don't know if you ever saw that years and years ago. Uh, no, I haven't seen it. Is, has that got Meg Ryan? Yeah, Meg Ryan's in yeah. it, Mark Ruffalo. And yep. there's a close-up of uh, someone getting head getting a head job that Meg yes. Ryan's like sort of spying on through <laughs> a gap in the wall, I think it is. Yeah. And I remember I saw that film when I was about 16 or 17 so when you with have been my it. mum, <laughs> oh no, we went to the cinemas together, and Edith. It must have actually been eighteen. So with your your mum and your new girlfriend, and my new girlfriend, we went to the cinemas and saw <laughs> that movie. And I was sitting in the middle when the dick sucking <laughs> happened. <laughs> it was so uncomfortable. <laughs> Gee whiz! I think mum was like, "Oh my god, what have I done? <laughs> what, what film did I choose?" And uh, Edith probably, I don't know what she was thinking. I, I have to ask her. <laughs> that's crazy. <laughs> that, that's a little bit like, what's the um, that Korean film, The Hand, Handmaid? Oh, yeah, The Handmaid, yeah. You know, the, the famous saucy scene in that. Yeah. I had just sat next to a colleague from work. This is prior to <laughs> <laughs> current job. 
and we'd, you know, be making small talk and I was there by myself. Wonderful. <laughs> and there she is with her partner <laughs> and we're just making chit-chat and then I had to sit through all of all of that scene. And you were like, this no. is the third time I've seen this film. I love yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but back to Antichrist. <laughs> yeah. I feel like even that, as much as I don't go looking for male body parts in films generally, when you know the whole film, yeah, there's a point to that being there, yeah. really, isn't there? Yeah. So it's it's not just no, it's not uh, gratuitous. Gratuitous. Yeah. Like it is gratuitous, but it's not just gratuitous. Right. Exactly. <laughs> yes. Oh, it's done. It's done beautifully. You know, all of that, all of the close-ups of body parts and the slow mm. motion stuff and the the gruesome parts, like all of it is done as tastefully as you can do something as shocking as that, you know, I, mm. he, he handled that well. I don't know how. So it's, it's a hard right, line to write, I think. Well, if we're doing that reminds, I felt a little bit like misery, you know. Oh, when, that's a great one. When um, Yes. Because the scene where she puts, what does she put on his leg to keep it, him down? It's, she hobbles him. She puts a, plank, a stump of wood between his ankles and then uses a sledgehammer to. No, no, I'm talking about an Antichrist. Oh, sorry, I thought you were talking about misery. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, she puts, it's like the grinding wheel. Oh, the grinding wheel, yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, I mean, how, felt... how do you even think of that <laughs> in the moment? Well, that's what, I don't know whether to say that impresses me or disgusts me because it's it's so full on and an awful thing to even come out of your mind. Mm. But the novelty of it got me a little bit and I yeah. thought this is so random, yeah, seemingly random that it feels real. Yes, I, that's true. It has that going for it, 100%. Yeah, and it felt kind of dirty and, mm. you know, not like a prop. It felt like this is actually what happened to be there in the in the shed or whatever it was. And then he's dragging himself away. You can, you're with him every inch of his journey into that hole that he hides in. Absolutely. <laughs> it's crazy. It's done really well. To, and, and to be able to do that and it still feel like an art house film that isn't just B-grade and shit is is powerful mm. in itself. The guy's got skills to pull that off. And I think the performers help. Like if you get Absolutely. That, that face. <laughs> yes. That yeah, face I, I feel there. like Willem Dafoe could sell almost anything, honestly. And uh, Charlotte Gainsbourg, mm. like she is, she's interesting, isn't she? You don't know what to think. Uh, I couldn't say just off the bat her performance was amazing. Mm. I think it was, but I just don't know. I think so too. You know, I talked about The Shining with... The Lighthouse as my as one of my references. This this film reminds me of The Shining quite a lot as well. As well as that key female character. Yes, Shelley Duvall's yeah. character, right? Agreed. Totally. She reminds me of her. Uh, and I think your the relationship you're meant to have with her is similar to what Kubrick was going for. Mm. You're meant to be a little bit annoyed by just the way she's behaving. And that's that's the way that character plays. What The Shining doesn't do, and this does do, is flip and suddenly you see her in a totally different light. Mm which is great. It's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> it's really good. Pretty bold part for her. Like uh, I know actors love being exposed like in every sense. So they get off on it. I understand understand that. But it's, it's still, <laughs> yeah. it's a big deal to put yourself out there, there like she did there. Big time. And she's in Nymphomaniac as well, which I haven't seen. I, I started to watch Nymphomaniac and knew I was in for a, a ride and stopped and I never got back to it, which I feel bad about. I need to do that. I probably don't have as high hopes for that. Just the setup of that sounds sounds a little more gratuitous to me. Yeah. Okay. Well, this so, is fun. I like it. Let's yeah. do it. Homework episodes every time. I know, right? We should do more <laughs> of these. Okay, back to you, Doc. What's your What's your next one? What else did you do? Look, I'm not sure if this if this fits the brief and breaks any rules. But we didn't write rules, did we? So I can no really make We're this figuring up. this out as we go. So this was not one of your reminds me of as such, but it came up in an episode and the movie is Aliens. Yes. <laughs> so <laughs> I gave Alien, the first one, as a reference for, what uh, was it, for 1917. Yes. Based on the fact that the last survivor is, is someone, that the main protagonist is someone who you don't expect at the right. start. That's right. And I'd never seen Alien I was quite embarrassed about not having seen any any in the series. Yep. Uh, and I quite liked it. And you then told me you've got to at least see the next one. Right. Uh, That's aliens. right. Yes. Like and you can sequel. skip the rest if you want. Yeah. <laughs> Great. 
Now, I'm not sure that was the best advice. <laughs> uh, you didn't like it? I didn't like Aliens at all. Oh, wow. Okay. No, so aside from what you'd said, I knew that it was kind of the main film, really, isn't it? It's the sort of the one that it's probably the more successful. Most yeah, that's right. Um, it's probably the more successful, although I think it's more popular to say you like Alien and don't like Aliens as much because Aliens uh-huh. is more of a Hollywood crowd-pleasing yeah. kind of film. However, it's still the one I, I watch more and the one I prefer because I, I think I enjoy parts of those mm. more crowd-pleasing elements and I think James Cameron did an awesome job of a sequel. But I want to know your thoughts. Like how well, do you compare the two and where do you think the first one does better than the second one? I think you could sum it up by just in general the 70s versus the 80s. The 70s feels long enough ago for me that I am nostalgic about it. I just like in the 70s and and this was 79, I think, the first one, mm. everything just seems more, more r- real, not so hyper and pretend. It feels like the special effects are more grounded in, in reality, even though they're not as high tech. So just more palpable, better actors. Alien surprised me. Aliens just felt like a nonsensical romp through the mid 80s. <laughs> you know, insert it. Terminator 2 or no, no, Terminator 2 is probably later, isn't it? Well, Terminator, yeah. 2, Terminator 2 is um, James 90s. Cameron as well. Yes, I know. Yeah, just doing his. It reminded doing... me of Terminator 2. Yeah, cool. Okay. But that is, yeah, so yeah, right. That is the James Cameron thing, right? What do you well, think of Point Break? Do you like Point Break? Or is that in the same sort of boat? Was that James Cameron? Uh, no. Yeah. Oh, no, no, you're right. James Cameron worked on the script. It was um, Catherine Bigelow that did Point Break. You're absolutely right. I actually loved Point Break at the time. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Weirdly. Yeah. I'm a big uh, Patrick Swayze He's awesome. fan, so yeah. he got me. Okay, my first impression was I hated it. However, it wasn't that, that simple. In the first half, it was all the juvenile setup that I really didn't like. Yeah. You know, they've assembled the best of the best Marines, you know, for this journey. (laughs) And then you see them and they're like high school kids and they've got the locker room, the co-ed locker room scene where everyone's in their undies, in particular Sigourney Weaver kind of reprising the undies role, which I can only guess, you know, for seven years everyone would have been talking about, oh, Sigourney Weaver in her undies. Totally. And then they just play and play and play on it. They're sort of uncomfortable looking undies. <laughs> Not uncomfortable, but they're sort of, it's just all, it makes me yes. nervous. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And then you've got Bill Paxton just overacting sort of, uh, <laughs> what is it, Bill and Ted style. Yeah. Uh, whenever something goes wrong, he He's just, almost become royalty because of that, that role. Is that and true? It is, it's one of those cult things now, I guess. You know, it's yeah. gone into that realm because it is terrible. But it sort of works in some way because of it. Yeah. Well, but not, but not for you. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll talk about what I continue to talk about what I didn't like. Yeah. Go for it. And then, then I'll perhaps give it some redemption. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> the the ludicrous plot points. For example, when all of these idiot marines, one of the first times they're encountering the the aliens. And it looks like it looks like they've entered into the upside down from Stranger Things. Right. Yeah. And they're all in there, all all armed. And then all of a sudden, Ripley says to the the captain or the boss, whatever he is, she says, "Oh, um, there's some system there, and if they fire, it's going to be a nuclear explosion." <laughs> just by the way, I just worked it out. And he <laughs> and he basically says, "Oh yeah, yeah, you're right." Hey, guys, don't shoot. And it just lost me. I thought, no, I can't continue to watch this. It's so, oh, wow. so silly. They didn't even tell them why they had to put down their arms. They just said, no, don't shoot. Because I kind of love all of those those things, which I agree on some level they're kind of shitty, but then they're also yeah. awesome at the same time. That's funny. Okay. But you're well, right. There's redemption. a difference between Alien and Aliens. Like Alien is a classier film for sure. Yeah. And by the time you get to Aliens, he's gone a bit more sort of action, action, fun, mm. action space horror, you know, I don't know. Uh, and it's just become a bit more fun is sort of where he went with it. Less horror, more fun. And it is a little Evil Dead too in parts. Like, Oh, don't. No. There's no. a little bit of that in there. No? No. Well, look, Evil Dead 2 is a class <laughs> a class yeah. show. 
this one is just there's no humor that's up to Evil Dead Two. Well, it's different in that you're right. It's not it's not that same fun slapsticky horror, but they've but it's fun in a different way. I think. And and this comes to the redemption again. When we got into the second half, once we got through all the setup, which I hated, all the <laughs> locker room stuff. Yeah. And we actually got into the the real tension and the, the story was moving quickly. I actually got into it. I was enjoying it by the end. Not completely, but I did get caught up in the action. And it's clear that James Cameron is, is good at that. Things like when they're on a time limit and you've got this beeping of, of the clock counting down. I found myself, having hated the film till then, actually getting all, all nervous and hoping they get out in time. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. So, I don't know. It got you in the end a little bit. A little bit, yeah. A little bit. That's that's funny. I don't think I've met yet a person who's told me that they that they don't like Aliens, although I do hear a lot of people say that they think Alien is the film. But they, I think they still kind of like Aliens. Yeah. As much as I love the film, everything you're saying also makes sense to me. I think that's the thing. You've got to love that genre mm. and embrace it and see the the humour in them playing that sort of thing fairly straight. Right. And what I can't work out is the extent to which it's meant to be funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Funny is probably not what it is. It's, um, I don't know what it is. James Cameron has this great way of pulling out these these sort of stereotyped characters mm. and making them larger than life. Yeah. I wanted most of them to, to get killed. <laughs> Maybe there's something to that as well. Yeah. That's hilarious. Okay, I can't talk much more about that, but I'm glad right. I've seen it. Question for you. Should yes. I continue the franchise with Alien? Well, I think Alien 3 is probably more problematic than the, than any of them. Like, I think you will have more problems with that probably. But um, that's David Fincher, yeah? Yeah, and it is. Am I not slightly more likely, given my history of what I've said so far? Yeah. Am I not slightly more likely to like a David Fincher version? Maybe. So I still quite kind of enjoy the film. I can watch it and have a good time. So I think the franchise starts to sort of peel off and become weirder and weirder at this point. So mm. um, you get less of the the simple storytelling with all the action that you have with James Cameron and it gets a bit weirder for the next two films progressively. So... <laughs> Yeah, I and think then I do that. I think and then it gets rebooted. It. Yeah, I'd be interested to see what you think. I'd be interested to hear what you <laughs> what you you know come back with after Alien okay. Three. Alien Three, it is. Alien I don't think I want to get into is... Alien versus Predator because then I'd have to see all the Predators, which I haven't mm. done. Ah, oh, stop! Really? I mean, that's. Um, I know it's a rite of passage. At least the first one, but you can is skip the, the Alien the one, versus Predator. Um, is that the one where they they're arm wrestling, like Arnie and? Yeah. The other yeah, yeah, it starts that way. Probably seen a little bit of that first one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, oh. I'll watch Predator too. Watch Predator. I want to know. I don't know okay. if you like it though, honestly. Um, if you don't like Aliens, I wonder. I'm curious. Look, mm. I'm still glad I saw it. Yeah, good. Um, I'm glad about that. That's cool. Yeah, let's get on to the next one before you All give right. me any other 80s films that I don't want to watch. <laughs> All right, my third one. Third reference. This is a bit of a cheat, and I think you're probably going to know what I've done here. Um, I watched I watched the short film. <laughs> yeah, you, okay. Yeah, partly because I was low on time, but also like I just knew that um, it sounded cool, so it'd be a good one to talk about. <laughs> and what um, did you think, dude? It's great. It's Interesting. Great. I would be curious to see what a short film like that today, what that would achieve if if anyone would take anything from it. Part of it, I think, is the the fact that it's done in that old car. And the engine noise is so full on and the, the picture image is so grainy is part of the appeal of it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I better say what it is. Cetat uh, un rendezvous. I can't speak French. Cetat uh, un rendezvous? That sounds Maybe? right. I'll, 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 I'm going right. to go with that. <laughs> anyway. I did French at high school and, and I think I got an E+. Plus. Oh, wow. Good. So... This one is, um, it's only eight minutes long and uh, it is just a one-shot uh, film that, and that was your reference, one of your references for 1917. Just made me think, what a well, cool I concept. Was, I don't think it was 1917. Wasn't it 1917? 
because it was a single shot? Or was it for something else? No, it was something else. It was to do with car chasing bad boys for life. Oh, that's right. Oh, that's even better. <laughs> that's even better. Oh, I love it. I just I had to bring some culture to the conversation you did. for that episode, I think. Yeah, so good. You know, um, there aren't many films that I, that I could really think of to reference, but what it did kind of remind me of a little bit is just that that sort of European ability to hold a shot for so long that it's uncomfortable. And you see it in Henneke films quite often, like Funny Games and Amour both have a series, in particular a couple, like super long shots that yeah. become so uncomfortable that you don't really know what to do with yourself. And I found that while the car chase was was just like thrilling, there was also something very uncomfortable about watching it for the length that it ran. Yeah. It's interesting. The fact that you mentioned Haneke, I have been just waiting for the first time Haneke's discussed. Yeah. I don't even want to discuss him too much because he is just my, probably my favourite of all time, I ah, might say. Ah, so good. Love him. I nearly did funny games for Five Bloods with oh. the Breaking the Wall. Yes, brilliant. You know, just on Breaking the Wall, I was watching for a kick the first the original Jumanji with the kids and there's a there's a moment in that film it's a kids film but you know pretty fun kids film Robin Williams um, Robin Williams mm. the CG in it feels really dated now uh, it's pretty tired but there's a scene where right towards the end the boy in this family is sent out to the shed to get an axe so that he can come back and like break a lock or something or a door I yeah. forgot what it is and it tension's so high, the kid runs out to the shed, realises it's locked, picks up yep. the axe, which is outside the shed, and starts trying to break the lock with the axe. And yeah. then he realises after two seconds of that that he's holding the axe. And just at that moment, he breaks the fourth wall and looks at camera. Oh. <laughs> it's done perfectly. Perfectly. Oh, I and then <laughs> I just, I, I saw that the other day and like the rest of the film you can throw away. That is genius. It was done so well. <laughs> I think it's not done enough, but I love that it's not done very much because when yeah. it, when someone pulls it out, it just, you know, gets me where it hurts. I love it. I think it's a risky thing to do because it could potentially ruin a film as well if you did it wrong. It's very postmodern, isn't it? It's, yeah. a, it's a wink to the, to the reader. I love yeah. books where all of a sudden they start talking to you directly. Yeah. Um, or the author, the intrusive author that, that just pops up in a book. It's the same sort of device. Yeah, you don't see it often and it has to be done well. But then if they're doing it, they're probably going to make sure they do it well, mm. more, more likely than not. Yeah. House of Cards is another one. House of Cards does it a lot, works really well. It's that Ferris Bueller style. I wonder if, if there are many re- uh, before Ferris Bueller that, that sort of pulled that off. That's the um, first one that comes to mind for me. I would say they'd have to be. Mm. Uh, that might be an exercise for another day. Maybe Definitely. we need, need a thematic episode. We've seen <laughs> this a few times. We like have, yeah. Films We've, that are just in the one room. Single shots, yeah. Buddy film. Breaking the fourth wall. There's so many ways we could go with that. It's cool. Something to keep in mind. Whose turn was it? Oh, you, you. you had the, the cop-out one, didn't you? The yes, I did. One. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, I mean, I I remember that strategy from when I I used it initially. (laughs) I love it, dude. That's what I had in mind. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) Speaking of shorts, uh, (laughs) this is completely unrelated, but I've subscribed to to Mubi. Do you know that that platform? It's really cool. Is it good? It's like a film festival in your living room. It's it's wonderful. Awesome. And they have a lot of short films. One, I might have mentioned it before, Jonathan Glaze's The Fall which is just awesome. But the one I watched a couple of nights ago was a Popeye cartoon from 19, 1930s, I think. Oh, really? Awesome. Yeah. Popeye the Sailor meets Sinbad the Sailor. Um, <laughs> Great. 15 minutes and just you feel like you've experienced something new. Not, not many people do that, watch short films and little no. random episodes and stuff. I think most people aren't interested, unfortunately. You get well, that feeling yeah. with shorts, right? I, I don't watch them. Barely ever, and it's probably because mm. we're not set up to watch them. Like there's not a, a channel on TV that's just short films. So you sit down and you don't – that's not what you're generally looking for. But I think maybe their time will come. I think you could be right. Yeah, mm. particularly if there's more platforms doing it. Mm. Every now and again I go for a little stroll around YouTube looking at shorts yeah. and there are millions and millions of views out there on these on these short films that people have posted. So I guess there must be an audience of some sort. There must be, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I only ever watch them at festivals. Yeah. Forget about them. Okay, back to me. Is this the last one? This is it. 
This would be the yep. This would be the last one. What was okay. your last piece of homework, Doc? Well, this one broke my heart in a little way because the film that I wanted to watch most was Old Boy. Yes, Park Chan Wook. Park Chan Wook. I was dying to. I looked everywhere to try and get it, a mm. streaming version of of the film and could not find it. And I was just devastated because from the moment you mentioned it, it's been top of my list. Yeah, right. And I was torn. And what do you think I did? Uh, Either you went to JB Hi-Fi and bought it or you um, decided to watch a different Park Chan-wook film. No, neither of the above. (laughs) Neither of those. Okay, what happened? You went to the library before it closed. No, No, given that we watched (laughs) Five Bloods last time, Yes. I watched Spike Lee's version of Old Boy. Oh, oh no. (laughs) (laughs) That's hilarious. It's sacrilege. Like, to to do that to myself. Oh, bro. After I I slammed it. I always wanted to watch that as well. Yeah. But the rules, as far as I'm concerned, I watch the original first. Yes. And then see what they've done with it. Um, Brilliant. This is not something I would normally do. It made me think of funny games. Again, yeah, you good know point. how the, the total awesome shot for shot remake, shot for shot remake, that the, the the remake was all right, yeah, but nothing nowhere near as good as the original. Yeah, yeah. So, okay, I watched right, it from the top, <laughs> and I liked it. Good, I, still I liked, liked it. it. Yeah, good. I liked it, and I thought, what a good experiment, really, to just see this as the Western audience may have first seen it. That's a good point. So I, I which very I went rarely into it. happens. Yeah, I already wanted to know more about Spike Lee. So I thought, okay, let's see what he's brought to the public, you know, without any preconceived notions. And it wasn't perfect, but I liked a lot about it. What did What did you think? You, you said it was basically a shadow of the original, but yeah, I was. I think by the time I I went to see it, I loved the original so much that there was mm. no way I was going to enjoy this film very much. Yeah. Which is not a cool way to go into a film, but that's re- the reality probably. I think I was bothered by some of the choices to pull back, like not mm. making it at the same uh, level of incest, I think, that was in the original. <laughs> yeah. Like I think that's part it, – it's it, it's similar to what we're talking about with Antichrist where I feel like if it, Lars von Trier hadn't gone all the way there, the film wouldn't be as powerful as, as, mm. it, as it is. Like if you hadn't – Showing what he showed, have that same violent ending, uh, just would have been a little weaker. I feel like that's what you get with Old Boy as well. That's a fair assessment. I haven't seen the original, but I found that the whole incest, what do you call it, reveal mm. at the end, which I already knew, you know, beforehand because you'd spoiled it for me. Yeah, <laughs> but um, I found that sat very, very uncomfortably with me. Obviously, it's going to. Yeah, but I felt like the maybe the insipid roundabout way that they did it made it even more icky. Yeah. Whereas if they had just gone full throttle at it, that would have at least been more shocking rather than tiptoeing around it. That whole premise upon which the film's all based left me feeling just, you know, funny. (laughs) (laughs) Funny, a bit gross. Yeah, gross. And I think it it was the way it was, was done. I love it. The original makes you feel gross as well, but it's done in such a shocking way that you... Go with mm. it, I think. Well, do we need to explain that what the movie's about again? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So the protagonist, which in this case is Josh Brolin, he's an advertising exec, and then all of a sudden he's kidnapped, put in a room for 20 years and then released again. He doesn't know who his captor has been. He doesn't know what why they've got it in for him and he's just t- spends 20 years going quietly insane. Then he's let out, falls in love with this uh, young woman and she ends up being his daughter. <laughs> um, so typical days of our lives type setup. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, Josh Brolin, does he get many gigs as the main man? Um, he's had a few, but probably not as many as he deserves. Hmm. Yeah, I, f- I found him, well, first of all, talk about reminds me of, there are a few lookalikes for Josh Brolin in this film. I feel he started off as Josh Brolin. Yep. Then he grew his beard a little and he looked dead ringer like Nick Nolte. <laughs> then it grew yeah. a bit more and he looked like um, Jeff Bridges Jeff Bridges in his dude. 
face. Yeah. And then at random moments throughout, he looked like Kurt Russell. Huh. I just felt it was the many faces of, of Josh Brolin. But That's great. One thing I loved was the physicality he brought to it. I remember there was an early scene where he had all his gear off and I thought, oh, do, do we really have to? You know, do we really have to look at him walking around with nothing on with his guts a bit big? <laughs> but as, as the movie went on, I really felt the physical presence of him and particularly mm. when he got out and he starts beating everyone up. The fight In the scenes, hallway? Yeah. Well, f- firstly, there were the footballers. He's in a box in the middle of a field and let out into the world again after 20 years. And the first thing he does is just beats up about <laughs> 10 big, oh, strong wow. footballer blokes. I've forgotten about that part of it. I think I always get the original sort of plank banging around in my head. Yeah. Yeah, you must. Well, I've only got yeah. this one to, to go with. And yeah. I've, I never like fight scenes. They're a bit like car chases. I almost just gloss over them and go and get a drink. But this one, <laughs> this one he, he'd come out of 20 years and straight away starts this rampage and I, I just liked, I liked the violence, <laughs> weirdly. We're digging into all sorts of things. <laughs> I know. That's in the original as well just that I'd just throw in there, that that physicality mm. is a big part of that character. Is, mm. is he a big man? No, he's not, but he's just sort of a fighter, you know? Like he's, yeah. he's and he's a little round as well and an unusual, so just looks oh, okay. like a dad. Uh, but then he just gets hardcore over that time in the um, yeah. hotel. Well, I particularly like the the subsequent fight scene where he goes and accosts Samuel L. Jackson. I didn't particularly go for all the cutting his neck. Sure. I found that a bit <laughs> a bit too much for, for my stomach. But then when he he goes and just beats everyone up with, you know, punches and kicks and it just felt different to normal fight scenes. It felt like he's just this big heavy man doing all this damage and I just felt every punch. Yep. I don't know, yeah. maybe that's a silly thing to take out of it. No, no, because th- that scene is the standout scene in the original as well. Is it really? Yeah, if there's a scene that, because it's, it's a oneer, it's all done in one take, the original. Yeah, it is. And it's, I, th- I think in the remake it was too, although I think they do some cuts for some stairs maybe or something. There's a little bit. Let's call it a rope one t- one shot. Yeah, for sure. Whereas this one in the original takes place in, like if you can tell they've built a set, which is just one half of a, like one side of a hallway so they could uh, run the camera back on forth, forth on tracks. And within that space, the camera just keeps going back and forth and the, okay. and the fight happens to and fro with just these masses of dudes and he's just got a hammer and it just lasts for ages. The scene just goes and goes and goes until literally like all of the soldiers are just, or the, whatever, the fighters are all just tired. They're just sort of almost too worn out to keep fighting, but he's still got energy somehow. I know I know they did a pretty good job of remaking it, but the original, that same sequence is phenomenal. I think Spike Lee, so he, he obviously had some pressure on him to make that scene work, yeah, by the same Definitely. Scene. Yeah, it's a big one. I talk about the physicality of Josh Brolin and it reminded me of The Crossing Guard. Have you seen The Crossing Guard? It's um, by Sean remember. Penn. Uh, the David Morse character. David Morse is one of my favourite actors, tall guy. He yeah. has a hit and run, I think it is, or he kills someone, you know, when he's driving. And for the rest of the film, you just he's a, he's a big, heavy man and you can just feel the weight of guilt and emotion and, you know, a hard life in every step. Awesome. And I felt Josh Brolin did did a similar job with this. He's an incredible actor. He's a, he's a, actually a great actor. I've not given him credit for that mm. before, to be honest. He's just glossed through my life. He, he's had a couple leading roles, but you, you would expect mm. more for the calibre of actor. I feel like he's almost a, I wouldn't say B grade, but like B plus or A minus. Oh, really? I don't see him that way at all. Okay. Not not, not um, in his talent. I just mean Yeah, the, just the way the sort of films that he hits. Yeah, in, in the mm. roles. Like he's, if if a film's like second tier, <laughs> that's it. Right? Yeah. Josh Brolin is the, is the lead. I'm just looking up to see what else he's done. He's done so many, but not, not like a lot of leading. probably probably wrong it's funny because with that with that film there was a lot that i enjoyed but it's mm. just it's in the shadow of greatness yeah. <laughs> that's the thing and i get particularly annoyed when when films that are great are remade it just mm. it just pisses me, me off because i just i just wish people would just go see the original I feel like they're missing out look i completely agree 
this killed me to do this. I was shaking beforehand thinking <laughs> that I'm going to destroy oh, that's awesome. what would otherwise be a, a religious experience watching the original. Oh. So I hope I can still watch that and get something out of it. Well, I'd like to know if you do what, what you think, having gone the other way, seen mm. the remake first. Curious. I'm sure I'll much prefer the original. I have no doubt because this was flawed, let's be honest. It wasn't I'm just pulling out some bits that I liked. Yeah, absolutely. There were probably more bits that I thought was silly, like when he's when he's locked up for 20 years. I'd be interested in your thoughts here. The speed at which that went, there were little plot points like him befriending a little mouse and the mouse had babies. Right. And then same concept that we were talking before, he then gets the mouse fed up to him. Like yeah. we, were t- we were talking about that earlier in the episode. He gets a mouse. To him. Yeah, 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 like the Roald Dahl. Like the Dahl. Roald Dahl thing. Yes. Yeah. Correct. And oh, I thought classic. That whole I, f- I forgot thing, about that. The befriending the mouse and getting served the mouse all happened within a minute, I reckon, of screen time. Right, okay. And I wondered, is that great uh, succinct storytelling or is that just pretty lame given mm. that what he could have done was introduce the mouse a bit earlier, have us become a little attached to the mouse and then got served up the mouse so it has some emotional impact. Yeah, good and point. I, I think it's probably the latter. Latter. I think it was pretty cheaply, poorly done, but I wasn't sure. Here's a question for you because mm. we talked a lot in our last episode about Spike Lee mm. and the things we like and don't like about some of the film, the films that he's made. How do you think this film compares to other Spike Lee films? Did it feel like a Spike Lee film or did it feel like something else? It didn't feel like a current day Spike Lee film, no. And I think you made that point at the time Mm. that he's got two types of films and this was more the Hollywood type. However, I I could see a bit of the current Spike Lee getting into it because he did position the film very much within current events. So he would cut to the Twin Towers and uh, all these moments in history that happened through the 20 years Mm. and that crossing over to, you know, real world is something that, you know, is clearly in the Five Bloods. True, good point. I saw that in it but other than that, it's a bit more polished a Hollywood film, flaws and all, whereas the last couple seems like he doesn't really care about Hollywood anymore and he just wants to have have a joint. Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. (laughs) Yeah, cool, interesting. And I, I, I have that feeling too. This film stands, this one and maybe Inside Man stand out from his, mm. from the rest of his catalogue that I can think of for sure as that Hollywood type. Yeah. Well, that's cool. So that's, that's six cool. films. That's six films. Man, I'm so glad we got to do this homework. It's um, something we need to keep up. Antichrist was eye-opening for me. What a great mm. film. I'm so glad I've seen it now. Would you watch it again? Maybe in like 10 years. <laughs> I don't know if I want to see it before then. <laughs> I think that's what I did. I'd seen yeah. it and then I watched it again before we spoke about it last time. Uh, Absolutely. And you know what? I couldn't find it anywhere. I had to I had to get a free month's trial of Stan to watch it. Which oh, I found okay. when you come when you can't find a movie these days, it's inexplicable to me. I don't understand it, you know. Well, that happened with me with Old Boy. Old I've, Boy. I've subscribed to three or four platforms in the past couple of days trying yeah. to find it. What is that about? Old Boy. Such a classic. Mm. We should all be able to find that somewhere. Anyway, odd. I guess it's at the DVD store. Yeah. When was the last time you stepped into a DVD store? Well, I guess the DVD store doesn't really exist anymore. But like, <laughs> Does, Do people uh, still do that? JB Hi-Fi. <laughs> JB Hi-Fi. Bought yeah. one. I haven't I, even I done don't... that forever. Like I haven't bought a physical DVD or like I thought about Blu-ray for a while, but then it seemed pretty obvious we were going to get into higher mm. quality streaming services pretty soon. So it didn't seem worth it to me. No. I agree. They're, they're still fun stores to go into just to, mm. you know, look at Apple cables and stuff. That, right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I, I don't set foot in the in the movie section or even the music section anymore. So in my list of film-related jobs that I've had over the years, I started off in a video store, mm. which was VHSs, and there was some laser discs that yep. disappeared pretty quickly. Hence your, your love for uh, aliens and, and the yeah, like. Yeah, totally. And bad boys. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and then and then I went into a, a DVD sales shop where they actually only sold DVDs. Uh, and those don't exist anymore either. I guess you, JB Hi-Fi is the only way you can kind of do that sort of stuff now. Mm. There's no like standalone, here's where you buy 
Blu-rays. That just makes no sense in this world now. Although record stores are... True. I've got about three or four or five record stores within a couple of blocks. Yep. So you're seeing a potential comeback down the track, maybe. Who knows? I don't think they have the same sort of nostalgia, but maybe that's just because we haven't let enough time go by. There's probably no argument that can be made that you that would say like a VHS looks better on a screen in the same way that you might say that about vinyl. Oh, well, who knows? Like you could say that about, you know, Super 8 film. Mm. Uh, you know, that's crappy. Yeah. Very. And yet, <laughs> and yet now we look at it and we think, oh, wow. It's kind of cool. What, what, what can a great I, effect. Can I buy that filter? Yeah, yeah. can I buy that filter? Correct. Yeah. So there's probably a VHS filter out there. I think there is. I think there have to be. There absolutely is. <laughs> That's awesome. Anyway, six yep. films down. Episode seven done. Episode seven done. What's what's episode eight? Remind me. Okay, so how about for the next episode, we watch Light of My Life, the new Casey Affleck film, out on Google Play and all your streaming services. Light me up. Yes. It sounds like an interesting film. Um, Casey Affleck is a great actor. I'm usually lining up to see whatever he's doing next. It's got all the ingredients. Seems like something that I might dig. I think this is perfect for us. I've just looked at the plot. A decade after a mysterious pandemic wiped <laughs> out most of the female population. So it's go. got two two things. It's got the pandemic and it's got it's really a comment, I think, on the fact that we don't deal with female characters on this podcast yet. Right. So <laughs> in this case, they're actually going to wipe them all out. Uh, That's hilarious. Maybe that means that we can really focus on the ones that are left. Give Great them the point. Credit they deserve. Looking forward to it. Catch you next time. See you, Baron. <laughs>